This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined by my good friend, Epitasis, Nate, a.k.a. Nate Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, Aaron. What's up? I want to take this time to give a uh, shout out to Table for properly shaming you into introducing me first. Have to give all the credit where it's due, Aaron. You get none of the credit, um, but yeah, I don't. Uh, ha- despite having known this introduction was coming, I came up with nothing to say. So that's all. But we're also joined by the man who I have introduced first for the last three weeks. It's Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I wasn't going to say anything because I secretly enjoyed. This I knew that eventually I would be getting my comeuppance and that things would <laughs> level out in the end because a new table kept an eye on it. Uh, I'm doing all right, y'all. Uh, here's a thought that I had yesterday that really freaked Uh-oh. me out. And... Based on our pre-show banter, I'm worried about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's nothing that's gonna. It's nothing like that. Uh, I remember as a kid reading about mummies, and I was I was one of those kids who was really weirdly into uh <laughs> into archaeology and they said like the, that the mummy's hair a, a common kid stereotype but the big archaeology freaks i was like really into it and like king tut came to dallas fort worth so like that was like a big thing in my like my childhood but i remember were, reading were you, that were you really into the randy travis song digging up bones uh no uh, that will I, that I, will pop my wife and my wife only. <laughs> SB, that That's was for important. you. It's important to pop your wife. She yeah. will not listen to this, for the record. But <laughs> but, but, but she can say, hear, but she can hear me in the house probably because I forgot to close the door to my office. There, me, there you let go. Let me just let me just bust it out. I'm digging up bones. Thank boom, you. Boom, boom, boom. I just felt like it needed a baseline in there. Uh, yeah. No, but like I was thinking about how apparently after you die, your fingernails and hair continue to grow. I thought about this when I was like trimming my nails and I was like, that freaks me out so much. Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, just like the idea, like, first off, send me to the body farm when I die. Just let, well, just figure out what you can with me and then let the world, world takes me. I don't want anything special happen. I don't want like a coffin or anything. Just let my body waste. But two, the idea that like your fingernails and your hair, like if, if like grave robbers who come by and like dig up your body and they're looking for jewelry, but then they see like a, uh, someone that's been dead for like 30 years and they're like, mostly like have decayed but they have like crazy long fingernails and hair like have you ever thought about that or is that just like a weird thing that like like me being into archaeology as a kid i have never thought about that mike uh not only have i never thought about it this has only you know multiplied my desire to be uh cremated <laughs> upon my death so it's just me exactly correct choice <laughs> so yeah. it's just me cool just cool, you, cool. just you, Mike. Sorry, bud. Cool. Has has okay. anybody ever called you Mikey, and do you hate it? Uh, so there are other Michaels in my family. So I was Mikey, like throughout my family up to a certain age, and I still have 
issues because a family member also being named with my name that I would get emails for that were directed to one Michael in the family. So then everyone would, in their mail book would have me down as Mikey Spears. So something that annoyed me, but now I'm just like, hey, if this way I don't get like the emails about like family news and you're actually trying to talk to me versus talking to the other Michael Spears, then I'm okay with it. Hmm. I'm thinking about going Mikey. I kind of like it. Do I seem like a Mikey? L- l- like a 34 no. year old being called Mikey <laughs> is it, like that raises your eyebrow. Like the only Mikey that I know of around my age is Mikey Nichols and he's a bad wrestler. So no. Okay. Here's a question. <laughs> Who is the first Mikey you think of? Do you think of the life cereal Mikey? He likes it from the life cereal commercials. Or do you think of Mikey from the spirit squad? Cereal commercial. Can't say either popped into my brain. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I thought to... you, you said, uh, I, I kind of like Mikey. I'm thinking about going with it, which to me was immediately, oh, he likes it. Mikey likes it from the <laughs> yeah. old cereal commercial. I think that's the first first touchdown for people named Mikey, especially kids named Mikey. Right. Yeah. But also there's, I don't think they've had a life cereal commercial in the last 25 years. Right. Now. I think it predates all of our times even, but it, <laughs> no, became, no, no. it was like a cultural reference. Right. Yeah. It was like a cultural reference that ended like in 1982. Did, uh, could you ever, and did you ever have a rat tail, Mike? <laughs> no, Jesus. Mama Spears yeah, would man. not, Come on, Mama Spears would not allow me to have a rat tail in that household. No, no. I'd I, like just, a, I just think a little kid named Mikey should have a fucking rat tail. Oh, oh like a real dirtbag kid. <laughs> like, like, are you imagining like the alternate reality that I just become like a real street tough with like a rat tail <laughs> and I have like a switchblade comb? that I picked up at my family's trip to Myrtle beach. Like, is that how you're imagining how Mikey Spears is versus Mike Spears? Yeah, I went to, I think it was preschool with this kid who had a rat tail might've been kindergarten. And I thought it was just the raddest shit that had ever existed. <laughs> and I so badly early wanted 90s, to have one. Oh, absolutely. Early nineties rat tails. Yeah. Like there was a kid with a rat tail at uh, GCW uh, backyard Two that Joey Janela was obsessed with. Like, and it, it rat tails might be coming back. For kids. You, you all can probably understand why my mother simply laughed at me as I told her I wanted to have a rat tail, which is something, if you've ever met me, my hair would not allow uh, a rat tail to form. No, my, my hair was way too curly for a rat tail. Nate, did you have a rat tail growing up? No. I, any sort of like weird hairstyles, Nate? No, never. Never did anything at all interesting. <laughs> <laughs> The, the I, Nate aka Pettis's story. I had hair down to my shoulders for one year in high school, which was a mm. real mess because I have naturally somewhat curly hair, not as curly as y'all's hair, I imagine would be. But my, I had like an it was like a my mop. hair is not curly to be clear. <laughs> I didn't know if you had cur- curly hair when you were younger. Maybe no. that was a possibility. Okay, but I have and then hair. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like instead of like the afro. Like it was level of curliness that was heavy enough that it did not spring out. It went down mm. and turned into like this. It was really good for like soccer wearing the headband, like at that age, like that. Like th- those years are far behind for me, though. Uh, I did have frosted tips because of Blink 182 for a while. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Uh, all right. Well, this has really been a. Uh, Big banter, make fun, or try to understand why I am the way I am portion of the show episode gotta, so far. I gotta tell you, going back to the archaeology anecdote, I do not understand. <laughs> I was really enthused by, like, archaeologists. Like, I would 
got like a as a kid got a book about like king tut as king tut was coming around of course like in retrospect like taking someone's dead body and like all the jewels that were found in it out of the native country and doing out there is is pretty exploitative it is very exploitative but as like a five-year-old i was like hell yeah maybe i can go become an archaeologist and there was like a time period i thought i'd become one and then i want to become an astronaut you know i think i think with like dinosaur shit like archaeology was right yeah was kids were into it i was not a dinosaur person though to be fair was never was a dinosaur kid i was a space kid yeah i think the the normal way that manifests is being into dinosaurs yeah, like I, I fully admit that I've been this weird since I was 34 or <laughs> since I was a baby and now I'm 34. But like, yeah, no, no, no. You're either a space kid or you're a dinosaur kid. And I was a space kid. I just had my brief foray of being very enthusiastic about archaeology when I was five. Yeah, I was a space kid. Hmm, I don't know which I was. I don't think I was either of those, really. I was I mean, I was a. Uh... Speaking of being how you are, as you are at 34, I was the wrestling nerd. I fucking loved pro wrestling <laughs> when I was a kid. All I cared, I like went to, uh, yeah, you dress up in your little your little gimmicks for like Halloween, and I was the Ultimate Warrior one year. And I was just, uh, we had to be paraded around in front of like the older kids, and here I was with like, <laughs> like the muscles and like the my grandma made the costume. Did you have? Did you have the face paint on going out through the kids and then like your yeah, hair was, was, did you wear a wig or did you tease it out? This is early nineties. So I could see you teasing it out. I think I just went, I think I just went natural hair. Um, but yeah, I had the face paint, had the, had the, the, uh, the thing that my grandma used to like make the ultimate warrior, either the year before or the year after I was captain planet and it was the same thing except dyed blue, <laughs> you know, grandma pretty smart on that. So, uh, if you want to know more about Halloween costumes that I've worn over the years, you can follow us at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Uh, subscribe to this podcast, please. Give us a five-star rating and review if you use the Apple Podcast app. And if you want to support the show, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribing to our wonderful content. We are going to talk about the following things on this show tonight. We're going to play Elite or Delete. We're going to run down Dynamite. We're actually recording it the night of Dynamite. Very fun. We are not going to talk about ratings. We don't know anything about the ratings. So if you're an anti-ratings person, this is going to be your favorite episode ever. No ratings talk. And then we will talk about uh, what's coming up on Dynamite next Thursday. You got to remember that it'll be on a Thursday, which also, of course, affect when our next episode will come out. But I don't know. Is it worth starting with Elite or Delete? Should we just talk about the end of the show? Aren't we all going to agree that was the Elite portion of the show? Well, I had a second one in case it was going to be mine. Yeah, because I I yeah, yeah, I was going to. So you could have just thrown it to me and then I would have brought it up and then. Yeah, Yeah, I I guess that would have worked. Fine, fine. Just do the pitch. Do the pitch. Hey, Nate. Uh, let's well, start with you. Now, now, you need to throw it to the soundbite because everybody's here yes. for the soundbite. That's oh, why people listen. You're right. That's I'm why sorry. I said when I said, do the pitch and throw it to Nate. Yeah, I'm producing I'm this on air. I'm sorry. It's time to play. It's time. It's time. It's elite or delete time. Delete. Elite. Delete. Elite. 
Right, okay, great. <laughs> Love, very happy to be back from the soundbite here. Um, and I, I want to amend something I said in a previous show, Aaron, when I said that I feel like you were weirder before I knew you. I want to, <laughs> I want to retract that statement. Um, so this is going to shock you guys. My elite pick for this episode of Dynamite was the main event and the show closing angle. Mr. Brody Lee coming out here, uh, just fucking laying into Cody, beating the snot out of him, throwing him around, powerbombing him into stuff, fucking laying in big chops and smacks and kicks uh, and really just brutalizing him. And then AEW giving us the big shocking result that we didn't know he wanted with Brody basically squashing him, pinning him clean in the middle, no outside help from Joseph Rude, just beating him. Uh, And then the Dark Order, taken over there was a fantastic uh just like live dynamic sort of tv moment with Brody lee on the mic while in the background they had cody getting on the stretcher there just loved the intensity of that uh and then they you know really put the cherry on top by having the dark order brutalize arn anderson rip cody off of the stretcher and then uh brandy comes out to make the save at which point the dark order brings out Anna Jay, their newest member, to take out Brandy in particular. Uh, it was just fucking awesome. Totally came out of the blue. Uh, and just, you know, kind of shit that gets you hyped up to hop on a podcast and talk about archaeology. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been something that I have a uh, parallel to EE have been doing a series watching all of Dragon Gate USA in order. And we're actually, this coincides with like a point where Brody Lee was in Drangate USA and was an absolute monster. Just was probably, with exception of tonight, the best work of his entire career, with the exception of like one cage match he had in Chakara. So having Brody Lee come out here, put him down with his finish, murdering him, having to cart him away, then beating up Arn Anderson with a bag. And then we discover, oh wait, the bag actually has the old, the old championship belt in there. And then just laying out everyone else. The Dark Order look like complete badasses. It turns out that AB was right all along. And now we like have like this great like heel unit. And it's especially at a point where the uh, inner circle couldn't be any less insignificant and unimportant now. Now we have like Broly now has the power, as he said. And now it's a really interesting thing. And you know, after months of Cody being clever Cody, being too cute for half Cody. And like tricking his way into wins, you can't trick your way past a guy who's just going to throw you around and powerbomb you three times and then lariat you out of your shoes. So excellent way to end Cody's title reign. Definitely was something that when they were going to get the belt off Cody, like it was always going to be something of like how deflating is it going to be? Like is it going to be like the match that makes the next person? And Brody just was like, oh yeah, this match will make me because I'm going to fucking destroy you. Sorry for cussing, but it was. <laughs> It was amazing. And then, like, the ending segment, like, everyone dies. Like, how can't you love it? How can't you love it? It, yeah, it was great. We never cuss on this on this family <laughs> podcast, that's for sure. I, uh, I try to be careful about my cusses. Oh, I don't. I don't at all. So, they built up Brody and had him lose, you know, his first big match. And we all kind of talked about, like, man, they're going to build him up to lose his, his second big match. That's kind of a bummer. Why won't they? 
like run with some of these people. And then by God, they, they ran with Brody. And I th- was it on this show last week that I said, you really can't uh, just heat, heat somebody up out of nowhere. Uh, I, uh, on the, on the mailbag we talked about. Okay. That. Okay. So, uh, I don't know. It's not quite the same because he wasn't like just sitting around in mediocrity for years. Uh, I mean, he was, but in another company. Uh, but they, whatever that he was doing before, this erased it all. And he's a big star. And uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, they heated him up on BTE, which is kind of the place that most things that succeed in AEW kind of happen, right? That's where people really started to get, I think, invested in the. Mr. Brody Lee character more so than the, you know, Vince McMahon skits that they were doing on AEW television when he first debuted. Uh, but BTs are people really latched on to him. But this match in particular, you know, the Moxley match that he had was really good. Um, just in terms of they both went out there and were super physical. And thankfully, AEW shoots things, I think, in a way that gets over the physicality of matches in a way that WWE doesn't. You know, WWE just feels a bit more removed uh, from the physicality. Um, and Brody was like, you know, I'm bigger than everybody else in this company. You know, I'm going to go back to win my size as an advantage, like, you know, on the Indies in Dragon Gate USA in Chikara. Uh, and I'm just going to use my size and weight and just throw this guy around and beat the snot out of him. Uh, cause I couldn't do that in WWE because I was the same as everyone else there. Uh, and he came out and did it and it was just like, Oh yeah, it's so simple. So I, I was actually correct in the mailbag because I said, when you're a guy like Lance, Lance Archer and you have that natural advantage of being just a monster, you can always get heated back up. And Brody Lee, uh, you know, not to undercut what he did on, on BTE and the Dark Order is done in particular, but, uh, you know, he just came out, beat the snot out of him. And it's like, oh, yeah, if you just actually beat the shit out of somebody, then, of course, the match works because it's real. One real positive that I think we see here is, like, we can think Dark Order has been a part of this company for a very long time. And we've seen them kind of like work their way through it. It is has anything been on WWE TV for as long as the Dark Order has been on AEW TV? I, th- I think the New Day. The Fiend. Yeah. But the besides fiend. the New Day. <laughs> right. The Fiend, like- the fiend went, uh, has been on WWE TV for a full year. <laughs> the Fiend has been. The smartest okay. thing in wrestling history, the Fiend. <laughs> You're working against Aaron's point here. The point is they actually yeah. let it last and build and develop. Well, sure. Yeah, I just want to make fun of the feigned. They worked it out. They realized, I mean, as I've said on this show uh, continuously, it's always been good, but they worked it out to find like the different things at different points. It's now, you know, unrecognizable from what it was at the beginning, um, other than like, you know, the masks that they wear. So it's just, that's a credit to them. I think I give them a lot of shit. Uh, and there's some stuff on this show that I really didn't like that I will give them shit for later. Uh, so, you know, I, but one thing that I do value about AW is that they, they do kind of play things out and, and try different things and, and try to see different things that work in a lot of ways. And, and that paid off here. You finally, you gave it to a guy like Brody who uh, could figure out exactly what needed to be done to, to make it work. And I'm gonna I'm giving him the credit to be honest in that uh, he found a way to make it uh, interesting to the mass audience and to also uh, make it like it does. There's a lot of scenarios where you do this same thing and it doesn't work. And the way Brody did it and the yeah. way he handled the character, it worked perfectly. Whoever laid all this out did a great job. I thought the Anna J thing was just 
the cherry on top. Maybe that's exactly what you said. If it is, I'm sorry. But I, <laughs> I thought it was. Sorry, I just stuck in my brain. But it was. Um, hey, you know, when you when you nail a, a point perfectly, it sticks yeah. in everyone's brain. You nailed it uh, because they were doing good little things. You bring out uh, Dustin and QT so we know they can't come out to make the save because they've already been dispatched. That's good. And then Brandy's then you're like, hmm, how is this going to go? And then, boom, it just like, you know, there's Anna Jay to take care of it. No Colt Cabana out there, right? No, I don't think, yeah, Colt must about just not have been around maybe. Um, the I will say this is like sort of an aside because it doesn't really matter to the success of the segment. But Brandy's character is just all over the map because oh yeah she was she was the baby face in this tag team with Allie and then the tag team just became a real thing instead of a setup and then she was the heel in that team and then as soon as that's over she's back to being Cody's you know baby face wife who's sympathetic to him getting the shit kicked out of him just really never any clue what's going on with her from week to week I mean. Not a whole clue about what's going on here from segment to segment, like the match <laughs> yeah. beforehand. I mean, it's it's something that they could have had the moment of Brandy like trying to shield her husband, and they go out on that note, and and it would have worked. But like the idea of oh, we're also going to make someone that we that is like a huge prospect to us that we hired, knowing that that she's going to be someone we're going to put time into. And have her choke out Brandy Rhodes after how Brandy Rhodes has been presented over the last month or so. Cherry on top. Like that. Love that turn of phrase. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really, that that was an interesting thing because obviously Brody was made, you know, by the match and winning the title, but giving Anna Jay that spot last was really like, hey, keep your eyes on her. We're doing something with her. Right. They really, throughout this episode, did a great job of restocking the women's division. Though, Though I can't say that I want to see. Brandy versus Anna J. Brandy had a good match. <laughs> she did have a good tag match. That's true. She, she, she was in a good match. <laughs> she was in a good match. Maybe maybe the Dark Order needs a second woman so they can do a tag team. But hey, yeah. Dark Order Tay Conti throwing Tay Conti. Yeah, Tay J. Oh, oh, yeah. That should happen. All right. Well, uh, I guess and, we've talked that out. So, Mike, I'm, no, I'll, I'll, there's I'll one other person that should join, and that should be their COO, Big Red. The Rude Awakening, Joseph Rude. <laughs> I, know, I knew it. nothing about... So I didn't read the spoilers. <laughs> I kind of stayed out of uh, a DM that we're both in where there's a lot of spoiler talk. But I kept seeing Joseph Rude <laughs> over and over, and I had no idea what that fucking meant. Uh, yeah, if, I, if, uh, if you, like Aaron, did not know uh, what the fake spoilers were that were on Reddit for a time, it was that... Eric Rowan would debut with the Dark Order as Joseph Rude and win the title for Brody. Uh, the highlight of which was like just a description in the Reddit post that quote unquote, he looks insane. <laughs> uh, so uh, we we all talk ourselves into the insanity of that and just like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, Eric Rowan, let's do it all in. Um, but this, I think this ended up being better as funny as that would have been. I mean, there's still time for Joseph Rude to show up and look at just absolutely crazy. Uh, so my elite thing on the night was I was a huge fan of uh, the post-match thing that happened. So Darby Allen defeated Will Hobbs, and then Taz called out Ricky Starks. Well, he didn't initially call out Ricky Starks. He called out an emo friend of his own. And Ricky Starks came out uh, doing basically 
a very intentionally lazy uh, Darby Allen uh, impersonation. He had the face painted on, but he also had emo painted down his throat. He had, instead of having, like, wearing all black, he, he obviously found, like, the worst tank top he still owned and out there and had a skateboard and basically just clowned on Darby for, like, a full, like, minute and a half. And then him and Cage brutalized Darby while 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 Ricky Starks was get cutting like this awesome promo about how he's the superstar and how he doesn't lose. And it was just like, was a great thing that on this feud that we were trying to figure out like what's going to be the next route for Darby Allen and team Taz, they found a way to kind of refocus things on it. And I thought that that was a really cool part of the show as well. Yeah. Really, uh, really strong uh, segment for Ricky Starks. I thought like, you know, Ricky Starks is a guy who on his previous appearances and when I've seen him like on the indies has been a guy like, oh, yeah, he has all the tools. He has the the confidence and the personality and the, uh, you know, originality in his promos or whatever to, you know, be a be a really good character on somebody's wrestling program. Um, this I thought was like, oh, he realized that now he's not just playing wrestler. He came out and was like, did his funny comedic shtick and then really turned the intensity on uh, when he and Brian Cage laid out Darby in the ring. Uh, just like had a great intensity when he was berating Darby in the ring. Um, you know, just he felt hungry for it. Uh, it was like, oh, yeah, no, he's he's a player now. He's not a prospect like he's. He's here now to do this now. Yeah, and we were have we been putting over this whole story and like the intersection of these people and it continues to be. One of the better things on AEW TV, I think. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. I thought everybody here was great. I loved Emox on uh, painted on his throat, chest. Very funny. Also, just um, came after I thought a really good match with Darby and Will Hobbs. That was constructed really well because uh, you know we came on or I came on the show and was uh, you know we've talked about Darby's push in general, and I said, well, the difficulty is we don't see Darby get big wins over other people we just see him get these big matches against top guys and lose those but the way this match was constructed was great because will hobbs is a much bigger guy has impressive power moves was throwing darby around and stuff and just the how well the match was worked darby despite being the smaller guy used the size to his advantage and got the win in a very short amount of time and it all came off as legitimate which is like the best you can hope for with a Darby. Like you can't just have him go out and squash a guy that defeats the purpose of the character. So you have to have him fighting from underneath and then still get the win and seem like he earned it, which they did just in a quick amount of time. Really well worked match. All right. I guess it's my turn. There's a lot of stuff I liked from this show, but we've already talked about the two things that I probably liked the most. I'm going to say that uh, the opening tag match, the FTR private party match, thought it was really well done. FTR's best match in AEW so far. The the thing that I took away from it, well, there were two things really, I guess. One, FTR, much better as heels. Makes a lot more sense for them to be heels, and they work better as heels. You got these guys who are cosplaying every Southern tag team, and they finally do a Southern-style tag match in this promotion. Thank God. And that's something that they've done before, but I think you see a lot of growth in them from... The, when they were having the heralded matches with like American Alpha and DIY, they would basically refer to Southern style tag matches like, oh, look, we're cutting off the ring and doing all this arm work, but the arm work would play nothing or play no role in the rest of the match. So they kind of knew the broad strokes of what they wanted to do, but they didn't really have an idea of putting it together. This the whole match made sense. 
It was smart. Everything they did looked good. Uh, it all played into what they were trying to do. Very good match. I thought the finish was a little flat, but people in the Discord were going crazy for it. So maybe I, you know, it's hard to do the live watch chat and <laughs> watch the show. So I might have missed something. But other than that, I thought this was a really excellent match. Yeah, I, I called it the best private party match since the one that they had with the Young Bucks. Uh, and I think working to that FTR style helped them there because they weren't trying to do these super ambitious ideas, you know, that they kind of got uh, lost in maybe in like the Lucha Brothers match or the Best Friends match. Here it was like, oh, we're just going to work a straight ahead tag team, uh, uh, tag match rather, and like illustrate what's appealing and what's good about straight ahead tag team matches. So yeah, both teams showed up. Um, I thought the the finish wasn't like blow away or anything, but I thought it was a good good thing to emphasize an accent that FTR is like, you know, the heels now and with Tully Blanchard now. And that's kind of the purpose of this match is to go out and, you know, put that part of their characters over. Um, so yeah, match delivered and did everything it needed to do. Uh, and I thought both teams kind of came away better from it. Yeah. And as y'all mentioned about private party, this is the kind of matches that private party needs to have, especially with how we've seen how basically they've been, on the first year of TV, they really haven't had that great of matches other than like the first match, which was very much like the young bucks leading them through a sprint. And they were able to get like a big baby face, like underdog win there. But like, this is the kind of match that like they simplified everything down to basically experienced heel team versus young up and comers. And they did it. They worked at the right pace for it. And it was something that like, these are the kind of matches that I know it's difficult now, but private parties should be having these kind of matches, even if they aren't on TV every week, they should be like having this kind of thing. And if it's just like an absolute dark match, they do for whomever are now going to be allowed into daily's place. That's great because they still get to have that kind of response and having that there. I think that lends a lot to their career, the idea of having a match like this. And now I can think like, okay, Maybe there can be a world in recent future or in the, in the near future where you could do an FTR private party feud. And I'm like, okay, they can get a lot out of it and it'll end up being actually a fun feud to watch. And that match gave me a lot of confidence in this. I feel like that all four, and I think that totally has a manager. So all five were excellent in this. Yeah. Also, also good to get totally with an act that's going to be a, a factor on TV and actually like make use of him. All right, let's move on into our D-Late picks. I was thinking about this more. I, I So what I was doing in my introduction there was, like I started with the Bruce Buffer thing, but it became a Vader thing in the middle. I'm not really <laughs> sure what happened. And then it kind of turned into a Mike Buffer thing. Like he did both of the Buffer mm. brothers in the same time. Well, you know, two sides of the same coin, my friend. The Buffer bros. They should bring in the Buffer bros to, to feud with the Lucha bros. No? They have the word bros on common. This is the yeah. joke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not even a joke. I'm serious about it. I'd like to see the match. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, other than that mm. bit, what else did, have you not liked for, that you've seen <laughs> today? <laughs> uh, so I pretty much liked this whole show. I thought this was certainly their strongest show in like a month and one of the strongest shows that they've done in the pandemic times here. Um, Really, all I want to delete, and you know, I know people will. There's a, a big criticism on this show that I'm sure one of you will discuss. So, I'm just going to delete the crowd sweetening was 
overdone. Um, it was too loud. I don't know if you guys uh, encountered this, but there was a point in the first hour of the show where the crowd sweetening was drowning out JR on commentary and you literally could not hear what he was saying, which uh, on one thing works against you because you're making it, in, you know, making the crowd unable to hear the commentator and what they're trying to put over. Uh, and also there's diminishing returns on the crowd sweetening. Certainly it's better than no crowd noise at all. Like just having some white crowd sweetening, you know, piped in crowd noise makes the show feel more lively and more, uh, you know, dramatic and interesting, but that's great for the first match. Uh, and you know, is even fine for the second match. When you get into the back half of the show and you have this same overly loud crowd noise all the time, and you don't have peaks and valleys as different things happen, or if, you know, you're in the different, uh, uh, motions or periods of a match and there's just no rise or fall or, or any of that, it makes it harder for me to watch the wrestling. Like, cause it just makes it all seem more, it seems like more of the same. Like it just makes it feel more, um, uh, I don't know, like prepackaged or, you know, it, it kind of just makes it seem more fake when you've seen your third match and they all sound exactly the same. Um, so yeah, just like, I don't know. They got to tone that down like 25% or something. It's something where, well, for one, since I'm in the Discord, I have my volume turned nearly completely down so I can listen to the people, so I can listen to AB in the Discord. So I have everything on closed captioning and I hear some of it, but I probably didn't pick up on that sweetening. But it is something that, especially now that they are going to be in a reality starting next Thursday, that there's going to be at least 500 fans there, that they're going to have to figure out, like, how do we actually, like, mic this thing? Because these fans are going to be, like positioned in very set certain places because of how they're trying to do distancing there. And you're still going to have some element of sweetening probably just because you're, n you could hope that 500 people's voice could carry into the ring and be picked up by the ring mics and everything like this, but that's not something you can guarantee. So it, it, it's something that like in this era, like you have to like be concerned about that sort of thing. And if it was hot then, then it should be turned down a little bit, I guess. Yeah. I just don't, listen to the sound up enough to really uh to really have an opinion on this so i i believe you nate thank you mike what's something that you didn't like from the show okay so i feel like this is a weekly thing mjf the whole thing with mjf until his counsel mark sterling came in was just something that like about this feud like one one points about mjf like Again, you're still kind of doing this thing, and now you're campaigning against the paradigm shift and saying that you're not going to have the match in Zoom because of paradigm shift. Does he not realize that in the title match against Brody Lee, he won with a bulldog choke? With the title match against Brian Cage, he won via submission because of the arm bar. Like, why are you... Like, yes, I get this thing, but you don't need to, and it makes one... Like the idea that MJF's supposed to be the smart heel that's smarter than everyone else and is like pulling out these tricks and is like doing this obviously to get underneath uh, John Moxley's skin makes him out to be a real dumbass. Because if you just like look at like how he's been winning matches, you know, like, oh, Paradigm Shift's there and he can win the matches with it. But that was the whole entire thing that Taz brought up on commentary about the feud with Brian Cage. So adding in that as a stipulation for All Out that you cannot, that he's banned from doing the Paradigm Shift is just, bad to begin with and you had like the 
like the standard thing. I will say that there was like a comment. I thought that they brought in the independent wrestler Mark Sterling to be his lawyer. And I feel like that he cut actually really funny promo saying that he made like this line of like we see how it happens to mjf this could this could hurt warlow and warlow like in the background what did like this glance of like no this won't hurt me and i thought that was kind of funny i thought sterling kind of brought it around focus but i still think like the whole idea about doing a match where moxley's finish is banned when two out of the three last title defenses he learned that was not based around him winning with the paradigm shift is just very bad and it's something where this feud is just something that there are ways they could have booked this feud, and this is certainly a way to book this feud. But it's not a, it's not helping out MJF, and it's if anything, I feel like it's kind of bringing down Moxley from how Moxley looked at is looked at as champion. Yeah, I just think that MJF is totally incorrect for the Moxley World Title feud, um, and it's hard to. I've tried like on three consecutive shows to try and uh, articulate that, and I'm not sure that I'm doing it correctly but his shtick here where he's he's doing the heel who has a fake neck brace and almost fake died and is you know lying about how severe it was to try and get his way with the rules but is also like playing it real like he really did almost die and uh break his neck or whatever from this move but also it's like only real to a level because it, you know, still seems like kind of a practiced, you know, uh, effective, but practiced WWE promo style. Um, and it just doesn't, it, you know, Moxley's coming off this feud with cage that had Taz cutting the really direct and authentic, uh, you know, promos with some meat to them. And Moxley cuts great promos, cut a great promo on this show, uh, in a, in a pre-tape. Um, and MJF's just, it seems like he's, it's, it's like you have the Moxley universe over here with Taz in it and John Moxley. Uh, and it's just a little, it plays a little closer to reality. And MJF is coming in over here from the Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho universe where it's a little more fake pro wrestling. And it just, they don't mesh well to me. I also want to say that uh, they only have about 4,400 signatures on the petition. I just don't appreciate kayfaving the petition signatures. You know, um, I got nowhere to go with this, actually. I just wondered how many signatures they had. I do. I kind of think Sterling just, like, cut a better promo than MJF here. Yes, he did. He right? did. He, he made MJF look like, like dirt. Well, <laughs> I think he just, like... It's something about the like Sterling's still doing a very fake pro wrestling lawyer character, but it just it feels more real than MJF, who like is playing this fake pro wrestling character, but playing it real, but it still rings fake. I don't know. Yeah, M- MJF. Whenever you watch MJF, you always remember you're watching a pro wrestling character. It's impossible to ignore that you're watching a pro wrestling character. He still he feels like. Um, you know, I said Ricky Starks was like, oh, he's a great prospect. He has the tools, but he's kind of just like playing at getting there. And then on this show, he felt like he was fully there. And MJF just feels like he's a, he's a step removed from pro wrestling. He's just, he's just, it's not, it's not landing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't like it. That's for sure. Confident about that. This is the, our, probably our most controversial takes on this show is that we're none of us are enjoying the MJF build and feud. 
It's like yeah. the only thing that gets people mad in our mentions now is like, <laughs> can't believe you guys are still wrong about MJF. Like, all right. I, I mean, like, listeners, compare the half of the promo that MJF did with like all the shtick and him in the neck brace and him looked like he had a walker that he was trying to do. And then oh, compare he had it to a Sterling. Yeah. And then compare it to Sterling. Like compare the trappings of like that in the same promo. It's pretty clear. No, people love MJF. I mean, oh, I think MJF have... is perfectly fine. Like I've been higher on MJF in the past than y'all are. No, but people love him. I mean, I, I feel like I've heard for a long time about how great he is. And I just don't think, I don't think anything is going to uh, pierce that, that bubble. Uh, so yeah, I just, I don't, I've never really been a fan of his, so I'm going to probably have these opinions. So uh, I don't know. That's why you listen to the show, right? Okay. Yeah. All lawsuit angles are bad. That's also my other tick. Okay. Uh, what is my delete pick? Or did Mike, did you pick one? Yeah, this was yours, yeah. right? <laughs> okay. I'm like, okay, fuck. It is now officially past Aaron's bedtime. Yeah, it really is. Okay. What's mine? All right. Mike and I have already argued about this on the Discord, so... We'll see if how seriously he wants to go after me again. I'm going to delete this gauntlet match for the uh, all-out tag title championship match. I really they, thought we were going to get into the mimosas here. Nobody's going to bring up the mimosas? No, I don't give a shit about the mimosas. Okay, that's kind of where I'm at. People are going to hate it. Uh, I, I'm just kind of nothing on it. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, that's a thing that's happening. That's fine. Okay. Dave, uh, it, it looks like Jericho doesn't want to take another fall to make this a successful thing. And that way you can get out of Jericho taking another fall. They booked this thing completely backwards. The fall, if there was only be one fall, it should have been in the climax. So there we go. That that's my mimosa take. All right, guys, can I, can I do my delete here? Yeah. Yes. Gentle, do your delete. Gentleman. Sorry. So, I, we, we've been really off the rails this episode in the special <laughs> Saturday episode. We have, and Mike is going to fight with me. It's fine. Here's my, oh, I'm ready. They do this over and over and over where, you have these rankings, you have stories, and still you do some big gimmick match to set up your title challenger. Okay, if this is going to end up, well, either way, if it ends up with FTR versus Omega and Page, or if it ends up with the Young Bucks versus Omega and Page, there are built-in stories for both of those matches to happen. There's no reason to create some convoluted way to get there. Just do pro wrestling and get there, for the love of God. Now, will this match be fun? Yes. Did they do this little backstage promo where they added some fun little motivations for it? Yes. But that doesn't mean it has to exist. It doesn't. Delete. Okay. So this is them using the rankings in a good fashion. This makes sense. You have four versus three, three, winner that versus two, and the winner that versus one, and then you have the challenger. And it makes sense doing this sort of thing when you have a pair of champions or a champion that completely has like wiped the slate clean like a lot almost everyone else in this match would be getting their second title shot against them but not but ftr that's what I was they haven't wrestled them that, that's what, they wrestled them for the let title let me give my let, let me give my counterpoint <sighs> because you're right about that you absolutely are this is a match that if this was if they've already beat ftr and these were like okay these are the top five teams they've all lost before since they have cleaned the deck, since they've defeated everyone else, y'all are currently the top five people, the top five teams. We're going to decide who the contender is. Since you all lost before and you're all ranked, we're going to treat the rankings as 
that five versus four, winner goes against three, winner goes against two, winner goes against one. This time it's four, four to one, but whatever, you get my point. The concept isn't the problem. The problem is the timing. And I think that if FDR and if they did this after a, a successful defense, then it made perfect sense. And I would think this actually was a really smart use of the, of the ratings in context. But the fact that FTR should just have a claim as is because they are the top tag team, it does make sense. So I think you're both right. So I I think, <laughs> I think the initial problem is they want to do a big clusterfuck match before the pay-per-view to determine the number one contender. That's that's a problem. It's the same problem we had at the build-up to Revolution, right? Is they just like, oh, we have, we have all these rankings, but now we're going to do a big battle royal uh, that the Young Bucks are going to win in order to determine who challenges for the tag team titles. Uh, we knew the Young Bucks were going to win because that's where the story was going, so it ended up being fine. Uh, what they're doing here is they're actually taking our suggestion for fixing the battle royal and applying it by making the rankings matter to it, right? That's what we said is like, hey, you know, do this Royal Rumble style, have people enter in their ranking order, and then it's like you actually get an advantage for winning or losing. So, yes, they could have just gone FDR's number one ranked tag team. Everybody else has had a chance and lost. They're the obvious next uh, contenders here. Um, but they instead, I think, wanted to do kind of an exciting match and wanted to really give FTR the boost of saying you're going to get a really big win to build you up for your title challenge, probably because they're going to win the gauntlet and then they're probably going to win the titles. And I think that's not really incorrect. I think it's probably correct to say, Hey, you know, you're the top ranked tag team. We want to put you on the titles, but we don't think you're there in terms of momentum. So we're going to have you beat every other team in the gauntlet basically. And I, I think that's kind of fine to do. Um, and, you know, might even be a good idea. But I do think, you know, again, they kind of did it backwards because it makes sense to do a gauntlet match to sort of uh, establish your or, or to, to meet out your rankings that way. But the whole tag team division has been, you know, every team gets a shot on TV for no reason for the last two months or whatever. So it's kind of, you know, it, it kind of chafes or, you know, uh, seems like a contradiction that way because they haven't put that much effort into it uh, for, for a bit. It also serves the purpose of, from the positive side of saving those matchups for FTR. Like you could have just had FTR beat these teams and then they get the title shot. But this way, if they're going to win the titles, you save those two on two matchups for the future. Now I will say, I take anything positive about this back. If the last part is young bucks versus FTR, that's something you really have to save up and build to. And if they do it in this gauntlet match, I think that's a huge mistake. Yeah, that's I that that's I don't think you could defend that whatsoever. That's a money. Would match. love, yeah, would love to see like the Lucha Brothers beat the Young Bucks and then FTR beat the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, well, let's run down the rest of the show that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, we will, I'm sure, return to the Church of the Demo God next week. Assume, well, I don't know if we will, but we'll see how all the ratings play out. We we will see. Uh, I'll just say, basically, if it turns out to be great ratings, and hey, you ended up advertising this well, and maybe you found a new uh, carryover audience. If it's bad, well, you got moved to Saturday night. Like, there's really nothing you could take from this thing, as long as it's not like 100,000 people watching the show. <laughs> there's really like nothing you could take out of this, in my opinion. As long as there's not a giant letter writing campaign to TNT about whatever this bullshit is on after my MBA, then I think you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, this is a this is a wash week. And I think you could also see this with how they put together the show where there was the rare tape show where they have uh, 
they had picture in picture nearly every commercial break and i feel like it went past 120 minutes as well so it made yeah, sense so. yeah so. but uh, yeah no i'll have a sermon probably prepared for our special uh, friday session uh yeah. so yeah What's going to be funny is if they had like a big number at the start because of people still from watching the game and then it just fucking craters. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. Uh, okay, so at the start of the show, as we talked about, FTR defeated Private Party, Dax, Penn, Mark Quinn with the fake Goodnight Express. Uh, I already did my take. that I've It did look really that. good, though. It's a great looking move, although they did steal the name. Yeah, I just hate the name of it. That's really, that's my problem. Uh, John Moxley cut a promo here. He says MJF talks about him a lot. He's used to it. He does this weird wife guy thing or, or anti-wife guy thing where he says he could just ask my wife if he wants to know about my faults. Huh? huh? Sounds like a joke you would make. Yeah, a joke I would make. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But, Mo- but like Mox is a badass. Right, I do, that's true. I do like three podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says, you know, that stuff doesn't really bother me, uh, but people who feel they need to talk about themselves all the time rub me the wrong way. Where I come from, the toughest guys don't usually have to say much. And friends, that was not the end of the promo. He went on to say, it makes me wonder, Jeff, what exactly are you hiding? You think you're the future of this business? Blah, blah, blah. I hope you're right because uh, I'm not going to. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. In the last another 25 years, I'm lucky if I last another 18 months. He should have gone back to the wife jokes and be like, my wife knows I'm lucky if I last six minutes. That would have been funny. Right. He so there's, yeah, there's you making the exact joke <laughs> that he had the restraint not to make. <laughs> he says he hopes MJF fulfills his potential, becomes the champion. But that's not going to happen on September 5th. Mox is going to beat the hell out of him. And when his lungs are burning with exhaustion, the whole world will find out exactly what MJF has been hiding. Yeah, so if they ended it with like that one line about toughest guys usually don't have to say much, I'd be like, okay, that's cool. And then he like went into the thing about like MJF living in his parents' basement being a virgin. Just got like for some reason, apparently in WWE, John Moxley learned that he can do some comedy and it'd be somewhat funny. Now he decides to do it. If any promo is like longer than two minutes, he's gonna have some like some really bad joke. Because all of his promos are below they're like ninety seconds to two minutes. Perfect promos, like you get the points, he's out of there, but Whenever things go longer than two minutes with John Moxley, you're going to get some weird joke about people being virgins and living in basements. No, I thought that was a really good promo. Um, it's not like he's ever made those jokes before, so I think it's fine. I actually think he really cut a good, uh, struck, struck a good balance between putting over MJF and doing the thing where he's not going to tear this guy down and then go out and beat him and make him not matter at all. He put over, he's like, MJF, yeah, you are going to be the future of pro wrestling and you are going to do those things. Uh, 
but you know, he's still the cool baby face. So he's still going to make some jokes at his expense. Cause MJF is like a sniveling little heel character. Um, so yeah, fine. You know, I, I feel like your average pro wrestling viewer probably went wild for those jokes. Next up was the MJF promo. He said Napoleon, and I just wrote and others, but apparently Castro was one of people he mentioned. And some people on Twitter apparently got like shoot mad about this, <laughs> which is very funny to me. Uh, he said that those people were homicidal, ho- hmm, homicidal maniacs. They all pale in comparison to Dictator John, who attacked him from behind. I guess you're too afraid to try me from the front. Uh, then he does this thing about how the paradigm shift almost killed him. Uh, and so that brings in the lawyer, Mark Sterling, who says, you know, you almost ended MJF's career. It could be anyone else next. We got 5 million signatures on our petition. So he drew up a contract that states the paradigm shift is banned from the match. Uh, why wouldn't Moxley sign it? Why would he need one little move to beat one guy? Which, I mean, I, this part was like really well sold. Like it was really good. Uh, he said, if he doesn't sign it, he's going to sue him. That's when it went off the rails. But there was some really good stuff in this promo from the lawyer. Next up, Jurassic Express and the Natural Nightmares defeated the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade. Jungle Boy rolled up the Blade for the win. After the match, Eddie Kingston comes out. He's taking it back to, I don't know, the late 90s, I guess. with the Maybe he's sh- taking it back to 99. <laughs> with the shirt half on, which uh, is really quite a look. And he says, basically... Hey, we were all on the Indies struggling together, but now we're here. Why are we fighting each other? Why do you think neither of you guys are tag champs? It's because uh, you've let yourself become divided. Everyone come with me and everything we want will be ours. Then they all hug in the middle of the the ring and the camera catches Eddie. Give a big sitcom wink right in the camera. Just fucking beautiful. Yeah, I I think I could probably speak for all this. This is probably, if it wasn't for that last segment, this would probably would have been the best thing on the entire show up until like the last segment because Eddie was awesome in this promo. Uh, he, he the, the way that he catered it to everyone was really kind of funny. And then like he had like Phoenix look like Phoenix was going to snap on him, which was really kind of funny. He's like, no, we're going to hug now. We're going to hug. We're going to hug. Turn. Bink. Huge wink. It was tremendous. And then the match was fun too. Like this was a fun eight man tag. This was a, this would have been like, this is the honorable mention uh, elite pick of the week. And I've, I'm kind of surprised that when we got down to it, that this wasn't chosen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I came on the show after Eddie debuted or had his little tryout and was like, Eddie can do it all. And you saw that here. He's like cutting a semi-serious promo and still getting in like multiple laugh lines, like shouting out TNT's catchphrase and doing a big comedic wink at the camera, but it all, just totally works because he plays it perfectly. Um, so yeah, this is interesting. I, I will, you know, you, you understand maybe uh, uh, Pentagon and Phoenix here because Pac is probably not going to be around for a while. So it's like, hey, we have uh, some superstar wrestlers. Let's give them something to do. That's probably a good idea. Uh, uh, you know, I'm a little annoyed that the Butcher and the Blade, the, the bunny's just gone now. The bunny is dropped. There's no, the bunny's not coming back. Uh, and that just ended up going nowhere. So that's annoying to me, but this is a very funny five sum, and maybe it builds to Pack coming back and Pack being like, "Hey, what the fuck's going on?" And then we get Death Triangle versus the Butcher, the Blade, and uh, the Boss Eddie Kingston. I just that was off the top of the head, uh, so don't think I, I thought of that ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I you're you're not wrong about that, and I'll have to be honest as probably 
the biggest fan of pack around uh, as Aaron can attest as I screamed, that's my dad into Aaron's ear as he came out at all out that you can watch on YouTube right now. I don't think you'd hear me shout that out, but packs Pack sat out for like 18 months before he's okay with sitting out for a while. So having Eddie around for uh, Lucha bros makes perfect sense. And to be honest, if Pat comes back as a singles competitor, he's going to be fine. I mean, he came back from 18 months last time, became one of the best in the world. Maybe he comes back after whenever this is all over and becomes even better. And then you could have the trios th- thing you're talking about, or Pat can just go do his own thing, you know? But now I might go try to buy a Death Triangle t shirt because I'm sure they're going to be on sale pretty soon. Mike, you do have to, you, you got to train those vocal cords a bit because I'm pretty sure we can hear your brother Drew on the double or nothing tape. Really? I, I, you could hear him shout out Jack. Yeah, I'm pretty, you know, I might have been getting into uh, uh, my own head there, but, you know, having sat next to Drew when he shouted Jack at Bola, yeah. when, Jack, when Jack Evans came out in Double or Nothing, I was like, I, do I hear Drew going, Jack? Oh, no, he did. He did. Oh, I, I, I believe it. No, yeah. Uh, some Spears family lore there. Okay. Give it a listen. I actually uh, made the same suggestion in the Discord, Nate, that that they could just do that that trios match if uh if well i so. i made the suggestion in the dm so we'll have to check the timestamps. oh well i did it by audio so you can't can't check the time Ooh, that's a win for me <laughs> this is why <laughs> lawyers like things in writing <laughs> i ignore the dm during uh the show because i don't want it to pollute my takes Nate. and yet the discord you like those takes well I'm, I'm doing my see what i do in the discord is i workshop all my takes for the show hmm I try to like, I just say stuff. And I'm like, eh, yeah, that sounded pretty good. I'll go with that. That's good. Yeah, that got over in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, I live by the I live by the code that if you could get over anywhere, you can get over somewhere else, mm. you know? So if I can get it over there, I know I can probably get over in front of uh, our huge uh, international audience on this show. Uh, Britt Baker is with uh, Rebel. They're at the gym. Penelope and Kip are there too. They're kissing and Britt's concerned about their kissing because uh, that's a way that you uh, spread disease. And I mean, but well, I'm just, I'm not gonna, I'll just, that's fine. So she offers them free dental care for one year. If they help her take care of big swole, uh, big swole has a contract for a match, but it doesn't say what kind of match. So she asked Penelope to join her and Reba uh, as a trio. And then uh, Penelope kind of hesitates, so she says Reba will do her makeup for a year for free, and that pulls Penelope in. I, you know, I was I complained, or we complained, you know, or, there's been a lot of complaining that there's not enough women and <laughs> on the show, and or not enough women on the roster, and it's just like, no, they have women available on the roster, they're just not using them or giving them enough time. So it's like, why has Penelope not been up and down this television show when? Uh, you know, she's uh, uh, capable in the ring and has star potential and uh, she's back now. So that's good. Yeah, that's why just defending the booking of, of this company's women's division just blows my mind. Oh, it's just they don't have anybody. Bullshit. Yeah. Like they showed on this show, there are a lot <laughs> of good women available to them because there were a lot of them on the show. They just weren't giving them time. Now, I don't know. Maybe. You know, uh, it seems like Kip has been around in the crowd, but maybe Penelope couldn't be on for whatever reason. But I just don't, you know, she's got personality. You can have her. She, they've given her no promo time, but the one tiny pre-taped promo we saw from her was really good and, like, showed her personality. So, like, why aren't they, like, building her? 
So maybe yeah. this is going somewhere. You got to use what you got. And like you said, they showed us tonight that they can. So where the fuck has this been? Uh, Orange Cassidy's out with Tony Schiavone. Best friends accompany him. Tony congratulates them on the biggest win of his career. Orange, of course, does not respond. Jericho's music hits. He says, forgive the interruption. I wanted to congratulate Orange on beating me. I've only been pinned three times in AEW. And while I'm somewhat embarrassed, I'm also proud of you because you proved you're learning from me. Also, you've proven your critics wrong, showing them you have what it takes to be a main event superstar. Uh, he's upset that they're one and one, so he knows they need a third match to determine who the better man really is. But of course, they've already done regular matches. So he proposes with a video, the Mimosa Mayhem match, which basically means a completely regular match, except that there's a vat of mimosa next to the ring and you can win the match in completely regular ways like pinfall or submission or throwing your opponent into the mimosa mix. (laughs) Sounds more ridiculous uh, when I explain it. Uh, Orange gives a thumbs up to accept. Jericho wants to give a toast. Rest of the inner circle come out. Surround the ring. Attack him. Jericho hits Orange with the Judas Effect, and then they waterboard Orange with the bubbly. Yeah, the attack was really effective. They've, you know, whenever they beat the shit out of Orange, uh, again, I put over his selling. It looks crazy, destructive, and violent because, uh, well, it kind of is. Um, you know, this is like a logical way to build a feud: is they split two matches, and then you build to a big blow-off gimmick match. Um, and you know, I guess that does cover Jericho by if he goes in the vat rather than get a clean pinfall. So I think that's fine. Um, and I think it's a fine gimmick. It, I don't, you know, a lot of discourse about it being too goofy or whatever. It's like, um, you know, people. I think it is too goofy if too many people think it's goofy and don't like it. Um, but I think also a lot of the audience will like it. So I don't think you can make an objective statement about it. It's going to come down to personal preference on it. Um, you know, it's at least... At least with this promotion, as opposed to like WCW, WCW would do a big goofy stip match like Judy Bagwell on a pole and it'd be like, they're making fun of wrestling, where this is like they're making fun within wrestling, right? Just the intent and the, you know, the the level of irony is just a little better in this promotion. So, you know, I, I, I think it's fine. I mean, I already said earlier, I think this is the way that if they were going to have Jericho eat the fall, it should be in the final match of the series, but now they're justifying with this. That's fine. Also, it does fit Orange Cassie's character to be like, oh, I don't want to try a match where you can just fall into something. Cool. And also, you could have best friends there probably with like Crazy Straw sipping the mimosa, and that's that's funny. I mean, the one thing that like it does frustrate me is I hope this doesn't marginalize this uh, Santana Ortiz and best friends feud. Like That's like my only thing that it does kind of feel like that it's really sidelining everyone just like how it feels like it's sidelined the inner circle like that's honest like my my big like my big take there is that but you know people people's thoughts on the goofiness is far and you know i'm just like whatever yeah you know i think it could work i don't what did they say it was eight eighty gallons is that right yeah did you note that 80, 80 gallons yeah. of orange juice and 500 cases of a little bit of the bubbly. That's a lot know? of champagne to orange juice, by the way. <laughs> I'm wondering how big that a vat that makes, because that's going to do a lot for <laughs> uh, how big of a blow off it is. Like if they have a mm. giant vat out there and we get like, you know, th- maybe this is the blow off to the whole best friends inner circle feud. And we get like 
oh, Santana and Ortiz and best friends all go in the vat together and like it becomes a really big spectacle kind of blow off. I think that works. No, it doesn't because they don't get an apology for Sue. Yeah. Well, maybe it still works for making it feel like an escalation for the Jericho and Orange Cassidy feud. And then maybe they go on to have more matches later, but not Jericho and Orange Cassidy, but uh, the tag teams. But I think if if you get everybody involved and this is where you do the clusterfuck with everybody running in, as opposed to last week when they shouldn't have done it because they were supposed to be banned from ringside, then I think that makes it feel like a bigger match with the gimmick, which would be, you know, uh, appropriate for a blow off. Let me propose something to you. It's the Mimosa Mayhem Moat match. You could call okay. it okay. the Mimosa Mayhem match uh, if you wanted to. I was with you, then I wasn't. <laughs> you had me at the moat, and then you call it Mimosa. That was, yeah. no. that was, that was uh, Annie Clark-esque from Mike Spears there. <laughs> so Shane, Shane Blepp might get that joke. And no one <laughs> so the way, the way that I think they should have done this is for the inner circle to interfere again in the second match, and then the third match has to be in a cage. Okay? I mean, just your classic pro wrestling. But the way you kind of mix a little something in to make it a little fun, to add a little spice to the match is you have the cage, but outside the ring is filled with mimosa and you lose if you get thrown out into the mimosa or by pinfall or submission. I, yeah. uh, And it, it, uh, I think everyone got the, got the idea as soon as you said the name for it. Yeah. So you, you getting increasingly animated as you explained it was a little bit frightening to me. <laughs> uh I actually I'm I'm sold on this idea. Okay. Uh it started like many great ideas do. It started just as the the wordplay mimosa <laughs> and I kind of retconned it from there. Uh-huh. But uh I think it worked out. I like it actually. Uh can you provide like a crayon drawing of this up to the camera because that's what's going to need to sell me on it after you made the terrible pun. I need I mean, to see I, a it, nice sketch. If you get you know, if it's like a if it's a trow situation and you get like four vats on each side of the ring, then yeah, I think that's uh and you can call it a moat, then it's a bigger match. Yeah. I'm especially thinking if you got that I'm old you don't need the cage, maybe. Well, I just like the cage to keep out the inner circle. But I guess you could argue that the moat keeps out the moat the keeps circle. them out. And then and then you get like the visual of like Jake Hager has to save Jericho, so he climbs into the mimosa <laughs> vat and is like where, wearing his like you know proud boy khakis or whatever and gets them all soaked. I think that I think there's an idea there. Okay, and, and I forget if it was Santana Ortiz, but one of them made a big thing about Stadium Stampede that one of them couldn't swim. Oh, so they'd be oh right. Oh, there that, we go. This is brilliant, actually. And of course, I, to be honest, they, they very well not... they very well might use that because they did it on the on the orange juice angle. We now actually have a timestamp of when this is going out there, which means that it is actually published. So I will be talking to my counsel, Aaron Bentley, if this is used. That'll that'll be me. And I'll be talking to my counsel, Mark Sterling. There we go. Okay, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Did you guys think they should have put this match on first? You're coming right out of that uh, That's NBA, what I was like. yeah. NBA yeah, game. Maybe, maybe have. Well, yes, Kenny Omega and Young Bucks are like bigger stars than FDR private party. Um, but I think the opening match was better and FDR is also like, has been on national wrestling television before. So I don't know. That's true. But this match was more fast paced and like more exciting for like your, your casual watcher. Yeah. 
and they like having the uh, sprint style multi-man matches to start off the show. But also, this match, when you compare it to uh, FTR and Private Party, this match was a lot shorter. This yeah. match, like they hit the things like the, the idea that three, four, and five, uh, Silver, Reynolds, and Angels are clearly not on their level, and it was treated as such. So having that as like a leadoff match maybe does not make as much sense because they like having a good long first match. They do. So. They do. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a wrong choice there. I will say uh, they brought back in this match with the Elite, uh, I don't recall them doing in a while, which is they set up these uh, like killer finishing moves sequences where they do one some, one of their finishers right into another finisher into another finisher and really just kill the guy at the end. Like they would do that with uh, AJ Styles and like a oh, hollow point into double super kicks into blah, 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 into Styles Clash and like I think there's that element of like the shit kicking, uh, you know, young bucks who just have like cooler finishers and super kick people all the time uh, is like a big facet of why they got hugely over in the first place. So I think it was good to bring that back and remind them like, oh, yeah, these guys are, are like theoretically killers. Uh, yes, just to uh, make sure we've said this, Kenny Omega, the young bucks defeated Allen Angels, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, Kenny Penn, Angels with the one winged angel after the match, Kenny uh, continued his thing of, of keeping at it after the bell rings and he went after angels, but the bucks intervened and cooled him down. So something going on here, folks. Next up, we had Alex Marvez with FTR. He announces the gauntlet match for next week that we've been talking about. He asked why they have Tully. They say to be the best, you have to learn from the best. Uh, and they say a bunch of other stuff. But then Hangman interrupts. He's mad about last week. Cash says, that had nothing to do with you. The rock and rolls disrespected us. And Dax said, I know you're mad about the knee thing, but I had to work the knee thing to see if I could trust anyone. Uh, and the only ones who came to check on me were you and Cash. So he knew he couldn't trust the Young Bucks or Kenny. And then he does this thing about how you stepped out of the Young Bucks' shadows by beating them. Now, if they win a Scotland match, you're going to step right back into their shadows. Uh, yeah, so they're just still trying to play the, the hangman FTR thing. And I, I thought FTR was good in this, but it makes hangman look like a huge fucking dumbass. Like it, I, I it, like he's it, drunk. He's drunk. Right. I think that's the out is they placate him with a beer and he has an alcohol problem. So I think that's like they're out. It's just like he came in all fired up and then they gave him a beer and he settled down cause he's, uh, again, has a drinking problem. So I think it kind of I think it kind of gives him the cover there. But what kind of uh, tolerance does this guy have? One beer is enough. To well, he had a jack. He came in with a jack that he had already been drinking. Right, but then you're telling me adding he was and he was pissed off at that point, but adding but one beer put him he, over the. Somebody line? gifted him a beer, and he's like, "Oh, I love beer." I think uh, you, you know you're not wrong that it like they're clearly two faced or whatever, but I think it's fine for Hangman not to see that because. You know, he really he has more in common with them than the rest of the elite, right? So it's like you can understand it being caught between uh, caught between them. And yeah, I thought overall this was a you know it, at least now seems like they are moving ahead. Now that FDR is firmly heels, they attack the Rock and Roll Express. They've got Tully Blanchard. Now it's like a much more well defined story of Hangman being caught between these worlds. Whereas before it was like, well, what does it matter if Hangman gets along better with FTR? Because fucking FTR gets along with the Young Bucks too, so there's nothing, nothing here to, to be conflicted about. Yeah, I just, I just think one of the, 
worst things you can do in wrestling is is make a baby face look like a dumbass. And I just think Paige looks dumb here. And it's that's hard to hard to create something compelling out of that for me. Next up, we talked about this already, but Darby Allen defeated Will Hobbs with the coffin drop. Uh, and then after the match, Taz stood up, said he has a new member of Team Taz. His name is Darby. Darby's music plays. Shout out to Wiccafaze. And it's Ricky Starks, but he's in Darby face paint. He's got Emox down his uh, chest. Very funny. He does a Darby-ish promo. Uh, the only line I wrote down was, it's not every day you can live your dreams, but every day I live my nightmares. <laughs> I really... <laughs> it, it, when, when he came out and said his first line, and then he like dramatically flung the microphone away from him like it was such a task for him to speak like oh my god i have to talk it was very funny to me it was uh brian cage attacked darby from behind and then ricky jumped on top of darby says the difference between you and me is i don't need face paint to be somebody i am somebody i'm always going to be better than you in every single way you know what life is a joke and you are the biggest joke of them all and then they they beat the shit out of darby they had a really change out lot. it's fine uh <laughs> 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 uh, they had a they had to change out a lot of ring uh canvases tonight didn't they like just was kind of wild but yeah no as i said earlier uh ricky Starks stepping into that role and you know he had a he had like that one promo before that looked like it took like a that that it was like him rising to be changing equation a little bit this one though i feel like was a real superstar promo i mean and you had brian cage just out there with a skateboard which is funny <laughs> Oh, right. Um, yeah. I, Ricky Stars kind of like usurped Brian Cage here, right? Like all of a sudden it was like the power yeah. dynamic was different there. I was like, yeah, oh, right. Wait, Ricky Starks is on top of this now, which is, you know, when Taz is able to leave commentary and get back to promoing for Brian Cage, I think it'll be fine because he's the, you know, there's a reason he's his mouthpiece. Uh, but yeah, that was like, oh, well, that's interesting. But yeah, Team Taz is fun. Yeah. And I like the idea, though, that these guys are kind of both on their that they, they both can take charge in a way, you know, it's not like that was like one of my worries about uh, Ricky being attached to team Taz so quickly was that he would be get overshadowed and Nope. They're finding ways that Ricky Starks can prove that he deserves a spotlight and Ricky Starks kills it. Funny that like AW could have, not that they have, but you, they could have like four bad shows in a row. And I'm like, man, they're doing all this shit that really irritates me. And then they have like one show where Pretty much everything on the show is really good. And I'm like, damn, AEW's good. Like, they do so much cool stuff that I never see on other wrestling. It's just funny. Yeah, I kind of, you know, they had like two rough weeks in a row. But even then, it was like, I'm not really worried about that none of this is going to come together. Like, I'm pretty sure this is going to come together. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Guevara comes out before the break, and he's doing his thing with, uh, you know, the poster boards. And while we're in picture in picture, Matt Hardy comes out, hits him with a chair. We come back, he throws him through a table and then he gets another chair. Like he's going to throw it at Sammy, like Sammy did to him. But uh, some people come out and stop him from doing that. And they, they lead Sammy out. Really good angle. And you know, a genuine surprise because it happened in the picture in picture. It was like great way to build off that gimmick that Sammy's been doing. The bump through the table look awesome. Like, very surprised to be this invested in a Matt Hardy singles feud in 2020, but here we are. Yeah, it's actually super impressive. I mean, they can thank a fuck up for it, really, but like they've turned this into a hot match, so it's it's good. 
Then we got a video from Thunder Rosa. She's actually introduced as the NWA Women's World Champion, and she is holding the NWA Women's World title. They actually, the video, the NWA title is the first thing you see, and it's on like yes. a pedestal or whatever. It's like, oh, like she's like secondary to the belt, first of all, which is very interesting. But it, go on. Yeah. I don't know if they just expect that their fans know the NWA, you know, as like a thing. And so maybe that seems impressive. I'm not sure. Anyway, she cuts her little promo. She says she's coming here to actually put the women's division on the map and get the respect that women's wrestling deserves. Uh, She says, first in Spanish, then in English, she's here for this championship and nothing else makes very clear that she's challenging Hikaru Shida for All Out. My only complaint about this was we had like all this thing about Hikaru Shida. I would love to have, I think this is an awesome match and I'm stoked for it. And we were talking about Discord, like they've brought in, like if I was going to make a checklist of, women that you could inject into the promotion for like the short period with everything going on. They've already had Nicole Savoy and now they're bringing Thunder Rosa. And those have been my top two names. I just kind of wish that there'd be like some way that we could have had a build start last week and like further, like ramp this up as like a big thing. Cause this is champion versus champion. Thunder Rosa is actually a double champion. So like, this is actually like a pretty big stakes match. Cause she's still is she the it, international princess champion still. Yes, she is. Unless something happened and she got stripped of it, I think she still is. I see. You had to really like yeah, you look going there because I needed to look it up. Well, uh, no, she no, is no. still she is okay. still the international princess champion. That they ought to make this a triple crown match. We're gonna have the AEW World Women's Title. We're gonna have the NWA World's Women's Title, and we're gonna have the Tokyo Joshi Pro International Princess Title. This is gonna be the new triple crown of wrestling. Eat that, all Japan. She. Well, she's I do. Actually, that's. I'm surprised the, they didn't mention that or put that over, but I imagine because she's like an A or an NWA contracted wrestler that they probably wanted the emphasis to be on their title belt and like, hey, the NWA is still a thing. Don't forget about us. Like, check this out. We have a wrestler well, sure. here on TV. So I get that. But yeah, uh, Thunder Rose is a great addition. Uh, you know, even if it's part time, like you can see from her promo here right away that she's like confident and knows how to. Uh, get something across in wrestling and, you know, totally capable in the ring has had some great matches. So uh, I think she and Sheeta can have a great match. Uh, so yeah, this was awesome. Like, and also, you know, it, it's still novel that AEW acknowledges other wrestling promotions because WWE exists in it's weird, uh, you know, sealed off bubble where they're the only thing in their Thunderdome. So it's like, Hey shit, you know, they're working with the NWA now. That's like kind of cool. Out of that, they went into the Women's Tag Team Cup Finals. Diamante and Ivelisse defeated Brandy and Allie. Ivelisse pinned Allie after kicking her square in the head. And it was a, a surprisingly good match, I, I should say. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't that surprised. I think Ivelisse uh, is a really good worker, and I think Diamante is a good worker, and I think Allie's a good worker, and I think Brandy uh, held her own in a tag match. So, Yeah. Um, uh, Nate, you know, I, I have to ask how many of the uh, pre uh, final matches you watched. Well, they were really bad in every match they had up until this one. I don't agree with that. I think they were pretty much passable. Um, but, uh, you know, I've seen Ivelisse have quite a few good matches. So, um, you know, I think she's on that, you know, uh, maybe not top tier, but I think she's on the upper tier of women's wrestling in the U.S. So, you know. Uh, again, we don't know these women to be under contract, so it's kind of cool to be like, oh, the the team with the two established talents didn't win this tag tournament that 
probably they shouldn't have won if we're talking about in-ring performance or whatever. That's kind of like a, a fake metric, but I don't know. This was a surprising result, and I was like, oh, shit, that's cool. They won. They're probably sticking around to do things. That's neat. And it was just like a complete subversion because I think like everyone was expecting like the foregone conclusion and like the on road two that they had a road two for Saturday night. They had a really solid uh, promo with uh, it was not probably an interview with Tony Schiavone and Brandy that really kind of got you like at least thinking that this could happen. So it was it was a great subversion of expectations. And, you know, you had uh, you, you had a match that ended up being one of the better matches of the tournament which, I mean, if we're going to put one of the matches on TV after a lot of the stuff in the tournament, I'm glad it was a match that succeeded. It just was something that I'm still kind of wondering that now that like we're out of the tournament, unless people are being signed out of the tournament, I'm kind of like wondering, like other than keeping people busy, why this even happened. And this was something I had when it was announced, like, why are we doing this? And I still kind of have that, but it was a nice subversion of expectations. And, you know, Brandy had a rough night, like a rough half hour, to be honest, if you like look at it that way. Where was Allie? We do not know where Allie was. Did we talk about this earlier? Allie was not at the final angle whatsoever. Did Allie abandon? Cody. Well, I mean, like everyone the, else uh, in QT was out there. Where, where was Allie? Yeah. yeah, but they got dragged out there. Okay. Uh, Allie had just been kicked in the head. That's fair. She could have been going under protocol for that. Yeah, so I mean, I, I defend that, but... Uh... I don't know. I, having watched all the matches, I was surprised Brady and Allie uh, held up their end of the bargain in this match. I definitely expected Diamante and Ivelisse to be good, but didn't. I mean, Allie, I thought was especially good in this match. Uh, I think, I was, you know, I've been impressed. probably the high person on Allie on this pod uh, since it began, but I think she's a totally good pro wrestler. Um, yeah, it, it does beg the question, but, you know, they got some content out of it. We got some content out of it. Uh, we got, you know, maybe they, their eyes are turned on to Veda Scott now, which is great. Cause she was great on commentary here as she was throughout the tag tournament. So yeah, um, she was you know, a net positive, net positive all the way around. Yeah. Sign Tay Conti. Yeah. Sign Nicole Savoy. I, I, I'm really confused about what the Nicole Savoy thing is. Sign, uh, Ariane Andrew. Of course. <laughs> just, I mean, just I thought, to do your podcast. Maybe I thought that went without saying, um, Nicole, what do you think the deal is with Nicole Savoy? Nate, you and I haven't talked about this. Mike and I have. Why did they call her not by her name on this tournament? And uh, I mean, do you think she can't do American TV because they didn't call her by her name and she didn't make it to the finals here? Uh, I can't imagine what commitment she would have that would prevent her from is, doing American TV. Is there a TV. Ring of Honor thing? No, uh, she was. I think they were intending to use her. Uh, so I guess, yeah, I guess that could compute. Uh I but I can't imagine Ring of Honor would have exclusive use of her literal name. Right. That would be surprising. I think that's just a continuity with Big Swole thing. Like the they Maybe. think that Big Swole is who people are familiar with. And uh the, you know, the the name uh is part of her package and character. So bringing in uh, Nicole Savoy as little swole is like, hey, this this communicates to the people that don't know Nicole Savoy. Hey, this is like an old friend of Big Swole's. Maybe that's all that is. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just found it all odd. That was really it. Okay, final match, which we I think we've discussed this whole thing uh, at length. Cody, no, God, I I do this where I write my notes before it happened. Brody Lee 
defeated Cody with a lariat, which I wrote in all caps because I was uh, so excited about it. And it was uh, a beautiful lariat, a beautiful bump. That's that's funny. Cody. How much time are you saving really by saying, oh, Cody defeated Brody Lee before it started? That's You're saving no time. Uh, yeah, it really, it fucks me up more than it saves me time because I forget to change it. <laughs> I did. I was going to come on and do, hey, uh, who should Cody's challenger for All Out be? Because we're running out of regular roster members and that's going to be a yeah. pay-per-view match. Uh, so I was going to come on the show and ask that. And of course, that ended up being uh, a stupid thing to think. Well, what are they going to do with Brody now as champion before All well, Out? Well, he, does, he doesn't have to do this open challenge stuff. He can nope. just... Uh, fucking hang out on a throne and have the dark order you know attack would-be challengers yeah but he needs to wrestle i assume he's gonna put the title up uh, at the at the pay-per-view although he doesn't have to they got a they've got a a pretty stacked card coming the the funny heel thing to do instead of oh cody will take on all comers is brody seeks out uh, you know, AEW dark geeks to defend it against. And, you know, uh, I'm going to defend it against uh, Fabu Andre or whatever. Tony's <laughs> naughty. Come on up. I think, I think there's uh, some money there. All right. Well, if you enjoy the show, you want to support us, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash everything elite. We have three levels of subscription. Five bucks will get you all the audio we've ever done and all the audio uh, that we're doing this month. On Monday, we dropped the uh e- e- mailbag only the second time we've ever done a mailbag episode it was a lot of fun we had a lot of good questions from our patrons uh we do light every wednesday well usually actually no we still did it on wednesday we still did week. it on wednesday because i'm a creature of habit incredibly tight yeah. we usually we preview dynamite we review dark and any other kind of content uh like uh the women's tag team cup and then nate does the the vlog content usually bte always bte and uh sometimes some other things uh, on Monday, we got Mike's Big Indie Weekend coming. Yeah, yeah, baby. With, so, with a special guest, right? It it looks like we're gonna have a special guest come on as like a extra thing towards the end. But so I did this last month because that was like the big first weekend of independent shows since COVID hit, and now this week, month was even more crazy. And I found a, a a show that not a lot of people are talking about, but it's an incredibly insane show that happened last week. So. For sure, I have reviewed uh, violent, Violence and Suffering and No Justice, No Peace, which was the insane show that just like... And there's a really crazy article about what the, what happened before the show even happened. Earlier today, I watched the uh, Back Label Pro presents the Family Food Do presents Pro Wrestling show, <laughs> a, a, a show that was really good. And then, you know, and it was it would have been better if someone decided to become the Twitter's main character yesterday. And then also there's going to be two other shows tomorrow that will be recording. And then I'll have a guest on. Then we'll wrap up the weekend. And it's already it's already an hour of audio. It might end up being a several hour, hour thing. But I like talking about independent wrestling, discovering new guys and seeing new wrestlers. So it's it's a fun time. This is going to be the Showa of, of podcasts. The Showa <laughs> I, era? The Showa era? I don't get the reference. <laughs> no, there's like, isn't, it, isn't that the name of the show? It's like an eight hour. Uh... Yeah, it's over nine hours long. It's a French documentary about the Holocaust. Showa. Oh, oh, now I know what oh. you're talking about. I thought you were French like the Showa era. I thought you it, meant the 60 yeah. year Showa period uh, of Japan. No, yeah. I'm sorry. I was talking Which about I think it. would be a, would have been a better reference to make, honestly. 
<laughs> a nine-hour documentary was was all the, the thing I was making. Also on the Patreon, I've been doing, although we're, we've been delayed due to COVID uh, issues, but uh, daily Stardom Five Star Grand Prix audio. I've already done four shows on that, and as soon as they run again, I'll do more of them. So if you want to keep up with the Five Star Grand Prix, it's the best place to do so. So check out patreon.com slash everything elite next week, which is going to be on Thursday. August 27th. Is that right? That's what I've written down. But is that the actual date? You're good. It's Thursday. Yeah. August 27th. Uh, we got Chris Jericho on commentary. We have the gauntlet match we talked about to determine the tag challengers at All Out. So that'll be Natural Nightmares versus Young Bucks. Winner of that will take on the best friends. Winner of that will take on FTR. We have a mock MJF contract signing. We have Britt Baker, Penelope Ford, and Rebel versus Big Swole. And then we have a tables match with Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. Not sure why they're not holding that off to the pay-per-view, but here it is. Yeah, they love gimmick matches on TV. Um, <laughs> it's very funny to me that Chris Jericho is still using the Le Champion moniker when he is no longer the champion. <laughs> and which sure. really the, the originality or the uniqueness of that moniker in the first place is, well, I was the champion uh, and I put a French le in front of it because that's fancy. It's like, yeah, super original idea, Chris, extremely funny. Let's use that for the next five years. <laughs> I mean, I thought he was switching over to demo God. Like it's in his entrance now, like in the video, it says demo gods of Le champion. So demo maybe... definitely better. Yeah. Demo God's better. And it gives us content. I can't so, do anything for a champion. Can you do what, anything for a champion? I sure as hell no. can't. What's our so what's our all out card? We've got Mox versus MJF. Right. We've got presumably FTR versus Omega and Page. Yeah, Omega and Page versus the Gauntlet winners. We've got Sheeta versus Thunder Rosa. Right. Is that Some, all we know for sure? I think it's uh, I think that's all we know. And then the uh probably Darby and Ricky. Probably Darby yeah. and Ricky, and then the uh the uh the 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 jericho and uh, oh an orange cassidy yeah the mimosa melee or whatever it's called madness and i'm and i'm assuming brit versus big swole is she gonna be ready i mean this sounds like they're trying to do she was so laid up it's hard to imagine that she's back and ready right but i mean Uh, that's what she's getting there what she said from the beginning right was she was gonna be ready for all out so right and i haven't heard differently but we'll see uh do we have any i'm kind of i don't know i don't really have a lot of takes but do we have takes on uh ticket sales so they're going to be doing 10 percent capacity at daily's place 500 fans they i don't know there's going to be some sort of pods apparently based on some tweets from tony khan saying people were buying the pods you can only only buy seats and sit with you know your direct family or whatever so yeah Yeah. i guess people have been trying to resell those so tony khan is saying they're going to basically cancel those orders if they find that people are trying to split up pods. So, and uh, supposedly masks are going to be enforced. They haven't, I don't think they've said anything about temperature checks or anything like that uh, for I, fans. I thought they said temperature checks. Okay. Like very, like very like say, Oh yeah, we'll be taking precautions and like temperature checks. They already said they're going to be cash free. They're not going to, it's going to mm. be a contactless payment and, they will have people making sure that people sanitize and social distance. No one outside, no fans will be outside of the lower bowl, wherever they've been having like the ring and then the uh, wrestlers at ringside will remain only people that they have approved for that. So they're still 
they've basically taken down what they were doing up top when they had people up in the rafters and they're spreading them out and they're monetizing it. And we all were, we all guessed late. They did it sooner than <laughs> I expected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On, on the mailbag, Oatgan said, you know, everybody pre- predict the date when they'll start selling tickets again. Uh, and Mike is like, well, I'm going to pick the easiest one. It's going to be for all out the pay-per-view uh, and that's extremely soon. Uh, and it was like, it's going to be sooner than any of you say. And of course he was correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, you know, we said from the beginning, they, they shouldn't be running shows, you know, ideally, uh, you know, we would have some sort of functional state and the capacity and ability to like, you know, just have everybody quarantined for the necessary amount of time. And then the, uh, virus would just like cease to exist. But, yeah. uh, obviously we don't have a functional state. Uh, we are ruled by capital and capitalism, so, you know, they are, you know, n- not being a health expert, they're seeming to take the necessary precautions to do this as but safely as know. possible. We don't well, know. They don't, have a, they don't have a public COVID policy. That's the thing. They well, they thing. just named all those things that we just said. They, you have to wear masks. It's going to be outdoors. You can't sit with people who aren't in your, uh, you know, direct caress. Um, and, you know, it's it's 10 percent capacity to start with it sounds like they're going to ramp it up to 15 percent like have to give them credit because that is a lower capacity than i would have guessed i would have said you know what's new japan's doing like 30 percent, i think so it, you know th- it differs that, by prefecture okay um so yeah that that allows you know seemingly a lot of distance between people so you can enter with your family and wear your mask and sit there and watch the show and not be in direct contact with anyone and then leave the show. Like that seems like it would be uh, possible to do. So, you know, if they're, if they're doing all the possible precautions, then, you know, doesn't seem like a awful irresponsible thing to do within the context of the fact that, you know, uh, 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 continuing on at, at whatsoever is irresponsible in its own way. But yeah, you know, right. if they're, if they're maintaining a theoretical, inner bubble of you know none of those people are going to be interacting with the people who interact with our roster and our talent members uh, and our crew members and stuff that would also be ideal because you know the people that are actually getting tested you don't want to have the untested people at all in their proximity i mean i still don't think this is a true protocol i mean new japan has released like a full document of this is what happens here we've only been able to parse out what their thing is and now they've opened up to a public in florida the state that currently is worse hit by COVID and in Duval County, which is only now coming out of a second peak. And that's why I say like, it's still a public emergency. And that's why I said like, yes, they've announced this, but they still don't have like an actual protocol that is public. Whereas other companies do. And, and, and I've said this, I guess, the I, I, guess I don't understand the distinction between a list of rules for how it will be done and a public protocol. Well, have you seen what new Japan dragon gate stardom and DDT have put out as like full documents of like, this is no. what, happens for wrestlers like they've put out like multi-page documents and all we've had is oh they're tested and we test them again and they go through testing and we, we don't know anything else about that whereas new japan and the japanese companies and i think new japan of america did the same thing for strong that they had like a full protocol that they released and ring of honor is doing an actual full bubble that they released the details of their bubble so that's, that's true why. yeah ring of and honor you know that. if ring of honor doing a uh, theoretical true bubble is you know an even better way to do it no doubt about that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's all bad, but right. what are you going to do? It's outside. Uh, the science seems to suggest it's pretty hard to transmit outside. They do uh, have 
industrial fans circulating. So it's outside with circulation. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go. No. Personally. You know, but... the uh, Warrior Wrestling here is running three shows in September at their football field, which is yeah. like <laughs> so wild because, I don't know, I guess these indies that are running, uh, you know, kind of have cornered the market on indie wrestling now because so many others yeah. are like, yeah, we're not going to run now. Um, so I don't, you know, Warrior Wrestling, I could drive there, get out of my car by myself, go up, maybe interact with one other person, take my ticket or whatever, and then go sit. 10 feet from anybody else and watch a wrestling show. That kind of seems fine. And if AEW is comparable, then that, you know, it, it's less contact than you would get going to the supermarket. Then that also kind of seems fine. But, uh, you know, obviously, ideally, we would all just be uh, compensated to sit at home. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's hard for me to be critical of of companies or people because, we don't have a system under which somebody said, okay, for four months, everybody's going to stay home constantly and you're going to be paid whatever your, your lost wages are so that you can afford to do it. And now we've reached the point where it's like, there's nothing coming from the government to help us. There is nothing coming from the government. And I mean that financially, but there's also nothing coming from like, the perspective of, oh, there's something on the horizon where this might get better, you know? So it's like, well, what the fuck are we supposed to do besides do what we want to do, like with some level of safety? So I, I can't really be critical of anyone. It's just not something that I'm personally willing to do at this point. Yeah, it's also hard for me to be critical about like outdoor events when, you know, obviously in full support of all the Black Lives Matter protests and movements, and there have not been recorded appreciable spikes in covid transmission from those so it's like well if going and standing in a teeming mass of people with masks on and being gassed by the police is okay to do and i think it is okay to do i mean obviously there's like a there's a there's a different level of like the benefit of doing these things but it's like i was i was hoping you would thread that needle <laughs> mate. <laughs> like obviously there's that's considerably more important to uh you know society and uh morality and ethics uh to do that than going to a wrestling show planet. yeah well you know if that were the case we'd all be putting our masks on and uh doing large-scale environmental terrorism uh but <laughs> barring that <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's just like being outside with a mask standing away from people i don't know i you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong and this will have contributed to many more people getting sick. But yeah, it, it just it seems like less contact in the supermarket and we all have to go to the supermarket. So we do. All right. Well, I think that's the show for this week. You can find us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Subscribe. Give us a rating. Five star rating. Give us a review and make sure you check out patreon.com slash everything elite. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next, I don't know, Friday or so.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.